0: 2020, and welcome to this safe edition of the FritzCast. As you can see, I'm wearing my N95 mask because last week, whatever I told you about coronavirus was completely wrong. Everything I told you about it was wrong, and I'll explain why in a minute. But I am trying to be as careful as possible and minimizing the spread of this I am breathing way too much carbon dioxide. Whew. 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 <sighs> <sighs> I'm sorry. We, you know, we have to have a little bit of fun on the program. You know what I mean? So, you know, this is a uh, this is an N95 mask, which I was using these when I was tearing up the floor in the house here and replacing it. Uh, you know, warning. This respirator helps protect against certain particles, yada, yada, yada. Misuse may result in sickness or death. Hmm. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Made in China. So, how y'all doing? <laughs> it's, like I said, we have to have a little bit of fun of this. And I'll, I'll show you why because you're going to see a lot of... Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this coronavirus thing a little bit more in depth. Uh, you know, because people are... Yeah, it's just like what Kay and Men in Black said. People are dumb, panicky, violent animals, and you know it. I hate to say it, but you know, y- yesterday, I asked my wife. I, I I came home from work yesterday, went to sleep, woke up at two o'clock in the afternoon. First thing I asked my wife because I know the hysteria that's going on. I know everything that's happening. I ask her, "Are we good on toilet paper?" Because of all of toilet, if you if you Google Amazon right now, at least the other day, you could not find toilet paper, okay? And I'll show you. I'll back this up. Hopefully, it's gonna it's gonna make me a liar now. Watch, toilet paper. Look at this. Look at this. Uh, seventh generation toilet paper, currently unavailable. Uh, Aria. Toilet paper, they have it, but this one, currently unavailable. Uh, Cottonelle, currently unavailable. Uh, so many different. Cottonelle, uh, currently unavailable. Some some cheap, off-brands, you know, they're there. Uh, but a bunch of them are currently unavailable. <laughs> because I don't know what it is. Oh, no, we're going to be quarantined. Oh, no. We're going to be stuck in our house for two weeks, and we need toilet paper. You know, I mean... I buy toilet paper in bulk. I'm sure almost everybody who's... Anybody who's smart about it buys toilet paper in bulk because it's just nice to stuff it in a closet somewhere and have lots of it. So I bet you the people that bought it probably already have a stash as it is. But I asked my wife if we had any. And there was one roll on the little dispenser holder in the bathroom... And then in between the sink and the wall where we shove uh, the, the, the what's left of the current stash that we just opened, there's two rolls, and I open up the linen closet, there's nothing. Not a goddamn nothing. And <laughs> I go out to Aldi. Aldi is right, it is right over there. Seriously, if I left my house and walked that way, I could walk there and be there within four or five minutes. I drive to Aldi because I'm a lazy bum. I just woken up, okay? I drive to Aldi. I get there. Everybody's there. Everybody is buying. There's no toilet paper, okay? If you've ever been to an Aldi, they're a smaller shop anyway. They don't stock up like that. They get shipments every day. That's kind of how they, they cycle it at an Aldi. It's not like going into a BJ's or a Costco, a wholesale club, or, or even a regular run-of-the-mill larger supermarket. It's not Aldi, so no toilet paper. Uh, pretty much all the meat was off the shelves. Uh, they they had plenty of eggs, but uh, I went in there to get toilet paper and a couple of other things. Um, you know, just uh, not even just to get us by. We just needed a couple of these things. It took me like thirty minutes in there to get my four items because everybody was there buying everything. Because obviously it's Armageddon. Obviously we're all gonna die. Obviously, all the stuff behind me, all that political stuff, doesn't even matter because the election's probably gonna be canceled. Let's face facts here, right? They're already canceling primaries and, and stuff like that. And and the upcoming democratic debate between Bernard Sanders and Joe Biden is going to be in an empty arena. I'm actually I'll get to that in a minute. I'm looking forward to that. I'll tell you why in a minute. Let me finish this story. So, finish up at Aldi. Right at the entrance of my neighborhood, too, is an Acme. So, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to go into Acme. I bet you they have toilet paper. Well, I go into Acme. I go over to the toilet paper aisle. And and sure enough, there is plenty of toilet paper there. But, so I grab like, you know, a 24-pack or whatever. I, I grab a big pack of it. Um... Because in my mind, I'm like, if I buy it now, it's just me and my wife at home that that need to use toilet paper. The the baby doesn't need toilet paper. So we'll be fine. This will blow over and the toilet paper stocks will go back up in a couple weeks. I won't need it for like a month now, probably. But that's beside the point. I, I pick up the toilet paper. I go around the corner to the coffee creamers because I need coffee creamers. So I grab me some Irish cream. Uh, Because it's the luck of the Irish. I I just love the Irish cream um, in my coffee. I didn't know why. Um, I could just put Baileys in it, uh, but I can't take that into work. Uh, It's against work policy. Cannot do it. Illegal. Illegal, okay? It's totally illegal. Totally. Um, So I grab those two things. And the Acme here just put in a bunch of, put in six self-checkout lines. And anytime I go into there, I can go up to there, barely anybody's there, and and it's fine. This had a line, a line of like 2,500 people trying to check out who were buying toilet paper and who were buying other doomsday supplies because life as we know it is over. Life is over. We're all going to die. That took me about 30 minutes, another 30 minutes, 35 minutes, just standing in line in a self-checkout to get my damn toilet paper and my coffee creamer. That that pissed me off. It was not the way I wanted to spend the day. After having just gotten up from work and having to go to work later in the evening, I was did, did, I didn't want... That there's another reason I didn't want that too. Because if there's an airborne mega disease, sorry, if there's an airborne mega disease going on. I don't want to be in a confined area with nine billion people who are panicking over what's going on. I, I I I didn't want that. I didn't want that. But I got through the line. I got my toilet paper. I dodged all the bullets because obviously it was a war zone. People wanted toilet paper bad. We got through it, I got home, everything's fine, but we are in pandemonium, (laughs) we are in pandemonium, and this figures because last, on Saturday, last week, I, my wife and I, we took uh, my old Kia Soul, my 2011, white, beat up, uh, driven to the ground, 114,000 mile Kia Soul, which I hated. (laughs) I mean, I wanted to buy it at the time. I got it, and then I just, you know, as the years went on, and I saw how cars improved, and all the all the bells and whistles that you could get, and all that stuff. I was like, man, I really don't like this car. <laughs> I hated it. And my wife's Kia Sorento, whoops, uh, was her lease was up, so we had to we had a decision to make. And this is the first time that we've been super adults about things. We did our finances, we had our numbers set. We knew what we could play with. We just literally thanks to uh thanks to our theft return. That's for you libertarians out there. Thanks to our theft return, which was, you know, a, a substantial amount. We were able to wipe out a loan completely, which freed up $420 a month. And we were super excited about that. We were super excited that we were going in and that we were going to be able to pretty much do whatever we wanted at the car dealership. We we didn't have to we didn't have to renew her lease or, or just turn it into a finance like like we weren't our hands weren't tied in that. We could have kept my old beat up Kia Soul and we could have put another hundred thousand miles on it and really driven it to the ground if we wanted to. Uh, but we also had the options of looking at other leases and other finances. So we played around with it um and we ended up getting a brand new 2020 kia soul ex i thought you hated the the kia soul that you had i did hate the kia soul i have the new ones are redesigned they look boss as hell um and they are the, the ex is the top trim it's tricked out it's got everything. It's got lane assist. It's got blind side assist. It's got uh, front collision um, and brake assist. It's got, like, everything. It's got a 10.5-inch display screen with built-in navigation, Sirius XM radio, Apple CarPlay, all that fancy jazz, backup cam, everything that I could want in a car. Heated seats, heated warm seats. You can heat your butt up in the cold of winter. It's amazing. It's got all that stuff. It's got all that stuff. We didn't even test drive it. I was like, I don't need to test drive this. They're bigger than the old ones too. And they actually drive different than the old ones too. Maybe I should have test drove it. But the point is we looked at everything. We figured out what we needed for our family. We got rid of her. We gave her lease back. T- traded in my uh, 2011 Soul, which was about $2,500, which I wasn't expecting to even get a dime for it. And the lease that we're in is uh like only twenty bucks more expensive than what Herschelento was from twenty seventeen. So that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool and I love that car. So if you've seen me talking about that on Twitter, I you know, I do love uh I do love the car. And why not? I'll just pull up I'll just pull up an image of it. My Twitter, by the way, over the past couple of days Nuts. Just nuts. And and that's what we're going to go into. We're going to go into this coronavirus pandemic business momentarily. Um, that was such a big deal. Such a big deal. And my post on it really made me think like, oh, you know what? I'm just not going to... like. I, I think I'm done talking about it because too many people get triggered. Too many people get offended. And um, it just becomes... This ridiculous Like This the ridiculous fight It really does Here I am Scrolling and scrolling and scrolling Hey look While we're waiting Look that's what That's, that's This coronavirus Defense 101 Get with it Where is the damn car picture <laughs> There it is Look at that beauty Look at that beauty thing It's nice it's really nice. This is like, it's sleek, it's sporty, it looks awesome. Ignore my neighbor's, you know, magical tarp in the background here. She's, uh, 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 just, uh, be nice for it. She's a delightful human being. Not really. But, uh, that's the car, and it's great, man. And, um, you know, the, the, the last thing I want to touch up on that happened this past week, it happened uh, yesterday, actually. Uh, some of you saw it. Some of you seen it. Some of you read it. The Fritzcast database made a rare appearance. I'm trying to do that about once a month. Just my my database is a blog about um uh, triggering intensifying. It's about uh my journey becoming a father. Uh the things that me and my wife go through with our daughter. Um just, just kinda like updates. And it's but it's it's a fun little thing too. It's something that I thought like this will be helpful for people who are just now getting, just now getting into having kids and all that, um, because I, I read, I tried to read resources, I tried to touch base with people who actually went through stuff. So I, I think that it's uh, important, important stuff, but it's also just fun too. Um, my daughter turned six months old yesterday. Six months old. Look at her. Look at her. She's adorable love her and it's been a, it's been quite a journey i wrote um wrote a database right here i won't read it on here but you can go to database or look on my twitter or facebook and you'll find the links there um you know, i write a pretty it, it's not like a, a novel it's just like a little blip uh, a little update if you will um she's such a cutie look at her uh and and i just kind of go through the journey you know six months is really like it's amazing that this this long amount of time Which is also a short amount of time Has happened so fast It really is From day one The first day you bring your kid home Life changes Everything changes Because you're not used to it You're not used to having that level of responsibility Of being a parent You just don't have it and you're learning things. You're trying to learn your baby. You're trying to learn how to balance your life. You, at, at some point, you go back to work. Normalcy needs to set in. And you need to carry on in your old normal life while blending it with what the new normal life is. And that's a difficult process. That's, that's a balance for, for people. And it's, diff- it's situationally based. It's, everybody's going to be in a different situation with that. We're fortunate that my wife does not work, but she does. She is able to continue her education. I'm able to watch kiddo. We don't have to put her in daycare. Uh, you know, we're not forced on that, so we keep that income for for things around the home front and and developing her. You know, finding the right kind of toys and the right kind of activities to do with her at home. Um, it's an amazing experience. It really is. It really is, and it's one of the best things that's happened in my life, period. I really do love being a father and learning about about my daughter and learning how to do this. It is literally one of the funnest things in my life. So with that being said, that's the personal updates for you. And uh, the coronavirus thing, we'll get in that in a minute. I want to pull up uh, my little clip here about Joe Biden, though. Joe Biden, people are getting on Joe Biden's case because you know he's he's saying ridiculous things on the campaign trail, which nothing's new there. Uh, nothing really is like surprising or new when it comes to that. Um, here it is. <laughs> You're going to see me do these a little more often. Um, But uh, he he flubbed and he said AR-14 instead of AR-15. So here's my little blip on that. I think you guys are being a little too harsh on Joe Biden. He just wants to get rid of the AR-14, which is, of course, one of the worst weapons ever designed, weapons of war, that can shoot 14 bullets a millisecond, which nobody needs. He just wants to get rid of those. He doesn't care about your handgun. He doesn't care... In fact, you prefer you buy a shotgun. He dropped a dope single about it years ago. Watch it. So, in short, conclusion: um, Joe Biden's all right. <laughs> Joe Joe Biden's all right. Joe Biden's not a big deal. Um... So the, the coronavirus bit. Let's get that out of the way, and then I'm going to go into this little clip here. I'll play it, and uh, we'll go over some of the responses and talk a little bit about that. That's going to be the focal point of the show after this coronavirus bizness. Um, look at that. I'm in games and stuff. So on my main page here, last night I tweeted um, something about the coronavirus. Look, look at this. This is probably a little off now, but this is the uh, this is like the the, the latest. At least as of this morning, it is now 8 o'clock at night, so it could be different. Um, This is the uh, outbreaks of coronavirus in the United States. And as you can see, it's concentrated to bigger cities and more densely populated states. And then it's kind of like, you know, very smallly spread out all over here. So, I mean, that's just, that's one image that I want to put up for you, uh, is that... uh, I get the importance of this stuff. I really did. Like, last week's episode, I said, it's not a big deal, wash your hands. Which is important. It You know, wash your hands, practice hygiene. If you're sick, stay home. Don't interact with people with autoimmune deficiencies. Don't go see your, the, you know, don't go see the elderly. You know, uh, the, the big problem, though, in doing the research is that, you know, the, the problem is that people don't know that, they have it you can you can have it and not even have a symptom you could have it and it could come and go and you wouldn't even know you had it so there was this study that was put out well not a study it was a meeting of doctors and all that and they were speculating on things um and so it was this was the trend on Twitter right here forty to seventy percent of the u s is trending that that's what was trending last night because according to these people sick forty to seventy percent of the United States. Could be infected. Not will be infected. My bad. Will be infected. Well, according to according to their studies anyway. Uh, will be infected. 40 to 70%. Um, but nobody was actually reading this document. They were just... It was like straight fear-mongering and panic. And I think the last thing that we need in America is is panic. We don't need the panic. We don't need pandemonium. We do need to be serious. We do need to approach this because this is a serious thing. But some people, people were passing this around and not reading it. And that's, that's the take home point. Um, Just, I took a snippet of it and I focused on the snippet of it straight up. How many in the community already have the virus? No one knows. Um, Testing for it. Uh, there are a limited amount of tests part of that is the government's fault I'm going to pull up a little article that, that proves that government red tape and bureaucracy caused a shortage and, and didn't allow us to act fast enough big surprise so we don't know how many are infected, that's, that's one of the problems and, and the fact that it could take up to 14 days to manifest that you are infected is a big problem. We're moving a we're moving from containment to care. Excuse me. Whew. We're moving from containment to care, meaning that uh, they believe that containing it is going to be super supremely difficult. At this point, that's actually why everything's canceled. The NBA has suspended their season. The NHL has suspended their season. When the Flyers are red hot and have a great shot at winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, uh, now it's up in the air. It's suspended in figures. Gritty, be mad. Uh, baseball spring training. Uh, the XFL. It's all canceled. Everything's canceled. No concerts. Uh, no traveling internationally. Nothing. Nothing happening. I mean, you can travel to the UK, which is kind of odd and funny at the same time, but. That's beside the point. Um, We in the U.S. currently, where Italy was a week ago, we see nothing to say we will be substantially different. People were beating up on me on Twitter over this line last night. I read this line as... There's nothing to suggest that will be any different, but it's all it's all our assumption. We assume at this point that everything's going to be the same, because nothing suggests otherwise. That's 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 a guessing game. I mean, you can only go off of data and what you know, but it's a guessing game. Forty to seventy percent can be uh, will be infected. Over the next 12 to 18 months, after that level, you can start to get herd immunity. Unlike flu, this is entirely novel to humans, so there is no latent immunity in a global population. I'm a little confused about that. I thought the herd immunity thing was with getting vaccines and, and treatments, but I, I assume if you catch the disease and spread it around, there's some kind of uh, people beating it um, and, and, and some kind of a hum- uh, uh, immunity being built up or a tolerance. I assume I'm not I'm not an expert on that, so don't quote me on it. Um, <clears throat> this is where it gets a little nutty down here. We use the numbers to work out a guesstimate of deaths. First off, I don't like you use the term guesstimate of deaths, but indicating about 1.5 million Americans may die, not will die, may die, not will die, may die. The panelists did not disagree with our estimate. It compares to seasonal flu's average of 50,000 Americans per year. Assume 50% of the the U.S. population. That's 160 million people infected with a 1% morality rate. That's 1.6 Americans dying over the next 12 to 8 months. Very speculative there. Because you have to assume 50% of the population in the United States. You assume 40 to 70% will be infected. That's what the trends are showing. Yes, there's a lot of different what if factors and all that. Because while people are saying America's not doing <clears throat> anything, we actually are. That's why everything's shut down. All right, that's why there is a travel ban. That is why gatherings of more than 100 people are being nixed in the bud. And that's not even on the government's call. That's on the NBA doing it, the NHL doing it, concert uh, artists' venues doing it. That's people doing it because it's a smart thing to do. That's not overreacting. Some people are looking like, we're overreacting to this. That's not, that's not overreaction. I don't think that's overreaction, at least anyway. I think it's smart. I think it's using our brains and realizing that... Uh, <clears throat> to stop a massive outbreak and overwhelming our system, we're going to do these things. Which which puts us uh, in a lull, you know? Nothing's going on. Everybody's going to be at home, Netflix and chill. There's going to be a big Corona Baby Boomer thing going on. <clears throat> there is. Uh, the fatality rate is in the range of ten times that of the flu. Okay, A lot of this assumes no drug is found effective and made available. And the death rate varies hugely by age. Over the age of 80, the morality rate could be 10 to 15%. Could be. Not will be. Could be. Just, I'm not going to make comparisons to the flu. I'm not going to say, hey, this is just like the flu. Everybody pump your brakes. There's, There's things to be concerned about here. There's absolutely things to be concerned about here. But let's pump the brakes and realize something. The big problem with this is the fact that you, you, listener, or me, you or I could get infected. I could get infected. I don't have autoimmune deficiencies. I don't have underlying conditions that I believe would exacerbate it to put me in like the worry-about-dying area. I don't believe I have that. The problem isn't that, because I could get it and not even have to go to a hospital and receive treatment. That's just how it is. I could probably get it and be fine for the most part. The problem is, who do I come in contact with that I could infect that is autoimmune deficient, that is elderly, elderly that does have a weakened immune system, that does have an underlying condition that would exacerbate it. That is the problem. That is what's scary about this. But mind you, you are talking to a nation of people who were just told that everything's shutting down for at least the next two weeks, possibly three weeks. things. For, for the next month And the first thing they did Was flock to a grocery store Which is a very small Confined contained area Where lots of Other people went Where lots of people Don't practice sanitation Like washing your hands Or using hand sanitizer That's what people did That's what people did That's what people did The next clip I want to show you is uh, actually from from the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Uh, we're gonna to go to the eleven fourteen minute mark. Um, sorry for not having this booted up <laughs> sooner, but I'm kind of rolling on the fly today, so uh, we'll start it at the eleven minute mark. Just just listen to this this man this the man that he's talking to is a uh, Michael. Osterholm, he's an infectious disease expert.
1: For two or three months, who's going to take care of those kids? One-fourth of the American population has no sick leave. If we close schools, they don't get paid if they have to stay home. So when you ask what can we do, we have to really be thoughtful about what we do. Are we doing more harm than good by closing schools, for example, even though everybody will say, oh, we've got to do everything we can? Or do we just tell people, you know, it's going to be limiting your contact as much as you can, and that's really about what we can do. And limiting the contact, is that really going to help? It does because it's like putting rods in a reaction. If you, if you don't have as much close contact, you can you know, not transmit as much. If I'm, if I'm sitting in a room with 100 people and we're kind of sharing air, the transmission's remarkable. Right here you know, off the coast of California, you've got your cruise ship. Cruise ships are notorious mm-hmm. for recirculating air inside the inner cabins. We've had a number of outbreaks. That's One, why they're having these outbreaks on cruise yeah. ships? Yeah, and then you leave them on there. I think the, uh, the cruelest human experiment we've done in a long time with yeah. humans is leave them on these ships. Get them off right away. Should they get them off oh, right absolutely. away? Oh, absolutely. what get should them they on, do with them? Well, they can put them in quarantines of some kind if they want and follow up on them, but you're guaranteed they're all going to keep getting infected day after day. It seems like
0: we're not really prepared for something like this, although the the CDC has been telling us for a long time that we should
1: be. You know, we are uh, not prepared at all in the sense, you know, I uh, wrote the book um, Deadliest Enemies that was published in 2017. Mm-hmm. Right thank here, you. And uh, <laughs> thank you. Go get it. No panic. In a, chapter 13, the title of the chapter was SARS and MERS, a harbinger of things to come. You know, we oh predicted this. And then I wrote a chapter on there what a flu pandemic would look like if it emerged in China. And if you read it, it's exactly what's happened. The supply chains went down. China locked down the country. It spread to other countries. People all pointed fingers. And, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where we hear it and hear it, but we don't get prepared. You know, five years ago I gave a talk at the Mayo Clinic. Uh, first time I talked about this. I talked many times afterwards. And I showed a slide of Puerto Rico, a picture of Puerto Rico. And then I showed the map. And then I showed a picture of a building in Puerto Rico, a nondescript building. And I said, this is our next big disaster. It turns out that 85% of all the world's production of IV bags, the saline that we need desperately, were made in these plants in Puerto Rico. And all we needed was one one Category 5 hurricane to come through and take it out. Maria came through a year and a half ago, and the world went into a major crisis with a shortage of IV bags. Now, that was so obvious that was going to happen, and yet we don't prepare. That's so foolish. I know. I agree. And then, that- So <clears> – <throat>
0: You heard him in, in, in the very beginning of that video, the, the clip that I actually wanted. I, I continued a little bit there, uh, which is a great episode if you're not a Joe Rogan subscriber and you don't watch his content. He has very interesting conversations with very interesting, different, um, diverse body of people. Uh, the, the number one thing he said is containment, you know, staying home, not coming into contact with people. There's lots of questions around that, though. How many people can really uh, stomach not being at work for two to three weeks? How many people can uh, stomach uh, being at home to take care of their kids for that long? (laughs) I don't say that disparagingly. There's a Babylon Bee article that says parents are panicking because now they have to take care of their kids all day. Uh, Probably some truth to that. (laughs) Sad to say, but probably some truth to that. The point is, though, we need to put a lot of effort into containing this and making sure that we're prepared for it, being prepared for it. Uh, You know, it's funny. My Mormon days taught me to have food storage ready, to at least hold you over for, I believe, it's like three weeks that the Mormons preach. Uh, But... It's something that probably a lot of Americans don't think about um That a lot of people don't even think about Just, you know, what happens when shit hits the fan And am I going to be prepared enough to be hunkered down for, you know A couple weeks and be held over I know it, there's too many nuances that we can get into with this With people uh who work pay, pay, paycheck to paycheck Who are uh, the, trying to correct their own mistakes uh, Me, for example Um I just told you I had to free up 400. I freed up 420 dollars a month um, by eliminating a loan that I took to consolidate a lot of my debt, uh, so that I didn't have varying payments. And I've learned I've learned a tough lesson from all this, and that is, you know, I'm not in a bad position right now. My wife and I are not in a bad position. We're certainly not rich or wealthy, or you know. We're slowly working our way to the the point of being in the green and not in the red um it, it takes work to do that and and there was a lot of mistakes there was a lot of running up credit cards there was a lot of uh making stupid decisions um and overcoming them is is the hard part um there's people who are you know uh, that doesn't mean i Nobody should have an approach of you know just well screw it if you were not prepared you know that's on you. Um, we shouldn't have a, a, a wholly heartless attitude. Um, however, that doesn't mean that uh, doesn't mean that the government's going to come up with the best solution either. We really have to start being you know not heartless people. We have to stop. We have to stop being dicks to each other. And really, as a community, come together and start really supporting each other uh, at that level. Honest to God, honest to God. So I don't want to go into more of the coronavirus stuff because it's a panic. Everything's canceled. Everybody's, you know, everybody's joking and making memes on the internet. I'm, I'm guilty. Um, I'm a dark humored type of person. It's just the family that I came from. My father was extremely dark humored as well. Uh, <clears throat> one thing that I asked uh, over this week, actually, one more coronavirus bit. You know what? This is why. <laughs> That's why I need to prepare a little better. You got me. I'm a human being. Damn it. <laughs> um, I said I said the government actually got in the way of progress on this, and it did. New York Times. Okay, New York Times published article. It's just everywhere already. How delays in testing set back the U.S. coronavirus response. And it says, quote, A series of mischances by the federal government to ensure more widespread testing came during the early days of the outbreak when containment would have been easier. Uh, This is by Sherry Fink and Mike Baker. Posted on March 10th. Dr. Helen Y. Chu, an infectious disease expert in Seattle, knew the United States did not have much time. In late January, the first confirmed American case of the coronavirus had landed in her area. Critical questions needed answers. Had Had the man infected anyone else? Was this deadly virus already lurking in other communities and spreading? As luck would have it, Dr. Chu had a way to monitor the region. For months, as part of a research project into the flu, she announced a team of researchers had been collecting nasal swabs from residents experiencing symptoms throughout the Puget Sound region. To repurpose the test for monitoring the coronavirus, they would need the support of state and federal officials. But nearly everywhere Dr. Chu turned, officials repeatedly rejected the idea. Interviews and emails show. Even as weeks crawled by, and outbreaks emerged in countries outside of China, where the infection began. By February 25th, Dr. Chu and her colleagues could not bear to wait any longer. They began performing coronavirus tests without government approval. What came back confirmed their worst fear. They quickly had a positive test from a local teenager with no recent travel history. The coronavirus had already established itself on American soil without anybody realizing it. Quote, It must have been here the entire time, Dr. Chu recalled, thinking with dread. It's just everywhere already. That is the key takeaway here. The key problem is that this thing can infect somebody... That person won't have any symptoms, won't even know it, might not even experience a symptom while they have it. And then how many people are they interacting with, spreading it, and how many people are those people going to, interacting and spreading it with? It's a very, that's where the situation is scary. But enough doom and gloom. Because you're not going to die. People, wash your hands. If you don't have to go out, don't. And above all
1: else, don't panic.
0: Now, one question that I asked my uh, followers, which we'll get to Jessica Green's answer in a minute. Let's uh, let's bring this up. You know what I? I've been trying to think about what topic I wanted to do for Fritzcast this week. Uh, obviously, there's primaries going on today, so there's going to be election results, you know, talk and, and analysis and stuff like that, which is, uh, you know, par for the course. But uh, more lately, amongst libertarians, at least anyway, it seems that there's a great debate going on about who do we let in the party, you know, are we big tent libertarians, are we little tent liter- libertarians, you know, what what are we? And a lot of this stems from um, Chairman Nick, Nicholas Sarwark saying that he would invite Tulsi Gabbard into the party and Justin Amash into the party and one of those two names people ain't so wary on. The other one, eh, it depends. So what I want is you guys, I want you to reply to this video below with your tweets. I don't care if you – I don't care if it's tweets, a tweet thread. I don't care if it's little videos like this. What are your thoughts on libertarianism, the libertarian party and who gets let in – who doesn't get let in? What kind of qualifiers are there? That's what I want to talk about in this week's episode of the FritzCast. So if you're interested, like I said, drop it. I will feature it in FritzCast. Uh, you guys have seen the last two videos um, that I've produced up. So I can have your t- tweets screenshotted and show them uh, in the program. If you got videos, I can have the videos play in the program too. It's a great opportunity to get more voices involved. So if you're down, I'm down. Click record or click tweet below. Do it. So I put that out there. Now, I did get one video response from Jessica Green, who has her own podcast right here on YouTube. Check out Jessica Green, Anarchy Toward on Twitter, because she had a great response to this. And I'll play it for you right now.
2: Hey Fritz, I thought I would weigh in on your question about Tulsi joining the Libertarian Party. I don't think that Tulsi has any interest in joining the Libertarian Party. It would do way more for the LP for Tulsi to join them than it would for Tulsi to join the LP. Only in terms of how much attention it would bring to the Libertarian Party if she did join them. It would be a huge coup against the Democrats and Tulsi might be feeling a little salty after the way that she's been treated, but I really don't think that she has any interest in doing that. Um, Since Nick Swarwork's stated purpose was to expand the party and not necessarily to adhere to, you know, I almost said traditional values, traditional libertarian values, that uh, I don't think it makes sense for a libertarian to have Tulsi join the party. It makes sense for someone whose stated purpose is to expand a political party, to have Tulsi join the libertarian party. So I think as he has stated many times, For him, it's not about libertarianism. It's about expansion. It's about power. They're a political party, so it kind of makes sense for them to be focused on what they think they can gain in attention, clout, so on and so forth. So that was kind of my way in. hope it was helpful.
0: Absolutely, Jessica. It was helpful. And I appreciate you putting it out there. I mean, I really do. Uh, Because it's a perfect example um, of why... Some people uh, don't like Nick Sarwark. A lot of people have been frustrated with Nick Sarwark and his attitude of, let's expand the party and not be principled people. The way that I've explained this uh, to people is that um, I'll throw that away for right now. The way I've explained this to people is that we shouldn't be extremely purist in our libertarian movement. I mean, We can't cast out people who uh, uh, fit in otherwise. But we have disagreements on some things. This is like the Adam Kokesh thing that I throw out there. Adam Kokesh blew my mind when he came on my show and he said that his whole platform was to disbar the federal government, dissolve it down... Let everything go back to the states and that if the state wanted to, you know, if, if California wants uh, California care for all, let them do it. Because you live in Arkansas and you don't care what Californians are doing. Uh, and if you're in California and you don't want it, either vote against it or and, and then if it passes, you either stay or you leave. That was something different for me in this libertarian ideology, because you, I, you can talk to people who are libertarians specifically against federal power, against that federal usurpation and, uh, and and uh, the, the gathering of the power and all that. There's There's plenty of libertarians who are against that, but they're not against state or local governments or community governments having more power or more say in these things Blew my mind Um Because you'll find libertarians that disagree with that You'll find libertarians who say that You know, you're a statist You're a bloody statist Statist gonna state You know You'll find libertarians that absolutely They want, they're more agorists Um New word that I'm learning Agorism uh, Voluntarianism Um Having no government, anarchists, there are anarchists um, who think that everything can be done voluntarily with voluntary exchange. And then you have libertarians who say, "No, nah, we need to be more of, you know, minor key. You know, we need a little bit of government con- controlling just a few key aspects. Not the nine billion things that it's doing now, but just, you know, just a few key things um, that the government should that should be in the pure purview of the government. We're gonna squabble over this stuff left and right. That that's gonna happen. We shouldn't cast people out for that stuff. Tulsi Gabbard, Medicare for all. Yes on gun restrictions. Uh, yes on bigger social safety net. Uh, you know, a lot of left talking points, a lot of progressive talking points with Tulsi Gabbard, who the, the left wants to shun, Once you know, she's a Russian bot, Russian asset, she's an Assad apologist, she's the worst human being ever. I like Tulsi Gabbard on a couple of key things. Foreign policy number one. Okay? Fourth Amendment, she just came out Big in defense of the Fourth Amendment. Just like a libertarian would. But a lot of her doesn't fit the libertarian mold. A lot People aren't going to really argue about Justin Amash here. Because Justin Amash is like... Half of us are begging him to come and be the presidential nominee. You know? So, a lot of us are just waiting for for that to happen. Um, but what did some of you other guys say? Be love. Brandon love 200. Brandon underscore love 200. Big 10 ideas, small 10 application. Uh, Kimberly Phillips, Libertarian Kim on Twitter. Uh, Nicholas Sarworks' attitude is of concern. He would invite those who would water down libertarian principles to the point of harming the party. Tulsi's NAP is great, but other than that, she's really a progressive socialist. Hardly a libertarian. Hardly a libertarian. Amash is closer to the LP. Agree. Absolutely agree. Jessica's take was great. AJ agreed. Nicely done. Nicely done. Um, Libertarian party is a contradiction in terms. I asked for an explanation. Uh, Because libertarians believe in liberty for all and government is the opposite. Okay. Fair enough. James Cargo, uh, a party is just a group of people working towards a shared goal. If that goal is to reduce, eliminate government, then there's nothing anti-libertarian about that. I would contend... Uh, it's an apolitical party rather than a political one, but that's a trivial semantic issue. Fair, fair enough. Uh, Adam used to be Adam, <laughs> pants tent. Thanks, Adam. Uh, someone else, <laughs> uh, someone else, uh. Keep libertarianism thin people who get dogmatic about things and insist that their brand of libertarianism is the one true libertarianism are not real libertarians. Well, someone else sounds like you're not a real libertarian bruh uh, <laughs> uh, politic to the podcast. Hey, shout out to politic the podcast. Let'll give those guys a listen. Uh, depends who's paying for it Ha <laughs> ha nice. Uh, this this indiv- this individual internet turtle obviously different. Speaking of himself uh, or themselves, I won't assume I won't assume genders or anything. It is the internet. Uh, quote: Obviously different than those folks you just mentioned, but I am a left market anarchist who joined recently. My reason is that there's not many other places for me to go where I feel welcome. Uh, I hope people I speak to benefit from my different perspective. Uh, I'd like to hear what other things. What others think about left-wing market anarchists in the party, like myself, I believe many strong opinions about it uh, without familiarizing themselves with the philosophy. If we talk it out, you might find we have more in common than you think. In terms of advancing libertarianism, there are advantages to having individuals with libertarian inclinations in the major parties, like Justin Amash when he was a Republican. He's now independent. Uh, they can form new wings of the major parties and shift the discourse within mainstream politics while still being friends of the LP. Perfect take. Uh, as far as left market, um, left market anarchism, I I have not. I'm not well versed. Please send me some links. I love reading up on on new philosophies. Uh, too little, too late. Vapor. Uh, Also known as at annoyed infidel. Uh, You infidel. You bastard. Uh, Big tent to draw in freedom-minded. Can debate purity in time. Fair. I believe that we can debate purity and we shouldn't be extreme purists. Um, That drives people out of the party. Um, Big tent, but there is a price at the door. Fundamental principles, well spelled out, but not so detailed or onerous as to completely tie hands, rule out compromise, heading in the right direction, and turn this tent into a cult. James Cargo. Big tent, the term libertarian, means has to mean something, and there has to be a line somewhere. But if you agree with 50% of the platform, you're in. That ought to be big tent, actually... That ought to be Big Ten actually accomplish things. Uh, the entire bottom half of the spectrum is libertarian, and dividing us left versus right or monarchist versus anarchist just helps the top half. Uh, in my opinion, the horizontal axis matters less the further down you go, and if you're all the way at the bottom, it doesn't matter at all. So that's for those of you that's political compassing there, Go 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 online and take one of those political compass tests. It's a little square, and it'll be like you know, authoritarian, libertarian. You know, they have different breakups, and that's what he's referring to with that. Thank you, James, for that. Uh, Jamie Berg, Tulsi Gabbard needs a home. I'm not sure how it actually fits, but she's too bright and well-spoken. She's also not afraid to debate or even get in the mud if need be. I I can respect that. I definitely can respect that. Um <laughs> fly over hedge at liber underscore tech a big bunker, a really big, friendly bunker where we'll all get coronavirus and die together <laughs> uh Dr. Fun, considering it's a term for laissez-faire capitalists only in America and has historically been used for left wing economics, I don't care too much, okay, cool. Uh, Paul Payne Everybody has their own damn tent That's libertarianism That's libertarianism We don't build a big tent Everybody has their own freaking tent and We're all camping out on the fields Getting coronavirus together and dying (laughs) I'm sorry I'm sorry Max Justice uh, At Max Justice for all the principles of liberty should be a big tent among Americans. No need to tolerate people who would betray those principles. Well said. Well said. And my buddy from work, ZZ Greg... Skull. I did it. I, I said Skull for you, Greg. You're welcome. He's going to get that. Nobody else is going to get that. So, Guys libertarianism. We need to be a welcoming bunch. Let me tell you something as I get ready to wrap this episode up. I'm I'm so glad we're hitting an hour mark. This is great. This is great stuff. Um when I first got interested in libertarianism, which was circa 2012, I went in the voting booth. I voted for Mitt Romney and I felt like I voted for somebody that I didn't actually believe and I just voted him because he was, you know, Obama betrayed us all and we needed to get him out. So I voted Mitt Romney. Forgive me. I started my walk to libertarianism. I uh, got into Rand Paul or Ron Paul. Got into Ron Paul. Uh, and Rand Paul and Gary Johnson, and that's what got me into libertarianism, including Pen Gillette. Pen Gillette was a big breaking down libertarianism. This is how it is. This is how it works. You know? This is the question we should be asking things when we go to start dictate political policy. We should be asking, can this be accomplished with more freedom? Sometimes the answer is no, but we should at least ask the question. When I first came into the Libertarian Party, most people, I can't talk about my job. I I, I can't put out details like that. I have to keep. Uh, I have to keep a professional distancing of my job from the program, but most people out there know I work for a state government and b- you know because of that, a lot of libertarians automatically write me off he's he gets paid with tax dollars uh he's he's completely unprincipled and uh he's the antithesis of what this movement's about that's I get that a lot I get a lot of flack for. The job that I do um, for, for working within the government, but I, I do, there's a lot of sensible people out there who actually say, you know, libertarians working in the government is, is an important thing because they bring that perspective of libertarianism to their fields. They're, you know, they're the good, honest people that I trust. I'd rather have a libertarian in there than somebody else. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that that I get I do get a lot of hate from you guys so I really do I get a lot of flack but that is what it is um, when, when I first came to the party that was I was I, it was not initially a welcome feeling coming into the party especially not knowing things as well it was not a welcome feeling uh, it was not a welcoming bunch I think the tides are turning a little bit because more and more people like me, uh, Brian Nichols, uh, Chris Spangle, the We Are Libertarians Network. A lot of normal people are starting to do things like this, and talking and reaching out to people. And and even when we have disagreements, we're not um, beating each other up to bloody pulp's over the disagreements, or over the over the disagreements. We need to be welcoming. We need to want people in. We need to want people to have the chance. You know, Lincoln Chafee's name is right is right up there on, on the board. Right back there, Lincoln Chafee's name. A man who uh, was an independent and then ran as a Democrat against Hillary Clinton in a spectacularly failed presidential campaign. And now he's in the Libertarian Party. And a lot of people automatically give him flack. That's because of Bill Weld. It left a bad taste in a lot of our mouths. Nick Sarawak would say that uh, it was the, the most successful libertarian uh, presidential ticket ever. And he's not lying. But as Todd Hagopian said in our episode interview back in December, remember, Todd Hagopian's the libertarian in chief, so he knows a thing or two about this stuff. Me and Todd could run on a ticket and get 3 million votes against Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. A bunch of people could have. So Bill Weld, you know, how much did it really help? How much did it really help? I don't even know. But guys, keep that in mind and think about that. Still send me your responses because we can go back and revisit this topic. Absolutely we can. Uh, And I loved the outreach that you guys had with it. So keep it coming. Keep it coming. That's going to do it for me for this week. You can follow me on Twitter at FritzQS Facebook.com slash TheFritzCast here on YouTube which you're already at. I don't need to provide you with that unless you're listening to the audio in which case, search FritzCast on YouTube. Subscribe and like because the more we get, the more we uh, the the more of you we get on YouTube, the more we can trick out the YouTube page and make it a big thing and I'm looking forward to that as well. If you want to reach out to me, FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com Remember, Wash your freaking hands. Seriously. Wash your hands. Don't breathe on people. Don't cough on people. And remember, everything is going to be fine. Just don't panic. All right, I love you guys, and I'll see you next week.